Last Sunday, as some of you know, we had the Cardinal here for, for Mass at our drive-in Mass, 7.15. And it was very nice having him here. And what was instrumental in bringing him here was that he had heard about our food pantry and how well it was doing and the tremendous amount of food and donations that had been given by our parishioners. So he asked me to express his profound gratitude to the entire parish and especially to the Knights of Columbus who are running the food pantry and all of those that are involved in it as well. Even this morning it will be open and some of our teenagers will be the ones who will be working there and helping people to get food. The day before Thanksgiving, I was driving by down Milwaukee Avenue and I saw a line of about um, probably 30 people standing outside. And it's like a double-edged sword because, you know, you want to, I want to go and encourage the people who are working there um, and I want to kind of express my appreciation for what they're doing. And then I wanted to say to the people in line, I said, you know, they're, they're doing the best that they can. You know, don't, don't worry, there will be lots of food and, all of, and, and just words of encouragement as well. But then I think I'm going to stop doing that because you can see in their eyes the shame that they have of standing on Milwaukee Avenue waiting to get food and the embarrassment. And no matter what I say, there is that shame and embarrassment because, and you would be surprised how young some of the people are and you know, you know they're not regular customers. This pandemic has brought a lot of people to their knees and people that normally probably had very good jobs are now finding it very difficult to get by. And uh, so I'm going to stop doing that because it's something I don't, you know, you don't want to, you don't add to people's misfortune. I do find it interesting. It is that shame and embarrassment and that, that context or that impact that suffering and poverty had on the people that brought John the Baptist into his ministry. He, that's something he shared with Christ. It was because of, of the suffering that the people were undergoing and the negative effect it was having on them that John the Baptist began his ministry. And he, he said, this is not acceptable that people are living like this, that people are ashamed, embarrassed, groveling, basically trying to make a living by living like an animal, you know, scrounging here and there for bits and pieces. And he said, this is not enough, this is not right. And that is why he went out into the desert, just outside the Jordan, at the Jordan area, the Cross River Jordan. He went into the desert and he dressed like somebody who was living in the desert, but he says, we need to get back to what God's plan for us is. He was reenacting Exodus once again. When God said, you will be my people and I will be your God and you will live in a land of plenty, the land that I will give you. So he called the people and he made a huge impact on so many people 
of the holy or the God's chosen people at the time, he made such a huge that huge crowds came to him. And he told them to repent. And what he was saying in the word repent is something that's very challenging. To disidentify with sin in your life. And to not let sin identify you. Disidentify with it. Now you can imagine um, that if somebody insulted you or wounded you or hurt you in some way, how difficult it is to disidentify with that no matter what age you are. And this is what John was saying to the people by baptizing them in the River Jordan, like nobody had done this before. Strong, flowing waters. He said, you have to be, you have to be set free from all that is stealing life and joy and hope and peace from you. And that is why he submerged them into that streaming, fast-flowing water. And it was just where Joshua led the people from the desert into the promised land. And he said to them that, that there's one coming after me who is among us, he said, to those Pharisees and people who came to him. There's one among you whom you do not recognize, and he will bring it to completion. So John was preparing us and preparing the people for the coming of God into their lives at that time. But it's something we must constantly do in our own lives as well. Sin is so toxic, it sticks to us at the very core of our being. Woundedness, resentment, anger, regret, all of those painful things. And John is saying you have to disidentify with them and accept God's forgiveness, which is complete. Forgiveness for the things they have done yourself and things that have done, been done to you. God's forgiveness is comprehensive and, and it's something that we must accept and, and, and allow ourselves and be enabled to disidentify with sin. What, um, what John was pointing to and what Jesus was living for and what Jesus is bringing about, he's bringing the message to completion. He was setting people free. He was restoring them to be the people of God. But for what? And I think what, 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 what it is best summed up by is, is, is um, an address that St. Paul VI gave back in 1970 at St. Peter's Square. And he used a very beautiful term about the purpose of, of bearing witness to the faith. He called it that we are called to build a civilization of love. We are called to transform society into a civilization of love, a civilization of dignity and respect for all people. And he says, if we don't do it, he used three, three words, let me try and remember. If we don't do it, our faith is inconsistent, incomplete, and ineffective. And that is what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to create a civilization of love among the people that he ministered to. And that is why he spent all of his time out with the people who were broken. The blind, the leper, the lame. Look at, at the end of his life what he was accused of. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. He eats with all those bad people. 
And that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to create a civilization of love. And that is something that uh, we should be trying to do as well. The tremendous amount of food we've gotten to our food pantry is, is, is it's miraculous to behold. But it is only one arm of the message of our faith. There are two arms that we need to embrace the world completely. One is to give help to those in need. And the other one is to, to work at changing the world so that it becomes a fair and just place for everyone. For example, I was just talking to somebody who is involved in Section 8 housing, housing for people who are um, sometimes finding life difficult. And often it can be a mother with some children, and they're homeless. And you'd be surprised, before the pandemic, the number of people you would see homeless with little children. And the waiting list to get into those houses can be in the hundreds, if not in the thousands, in Lake County alone. And that is where, you know, in some countries, if a child is homeless with a parent or both parents, that it's considered child abuse. And that is where Pope Francis is very strong that the role of the church in the world today is to work towards creating a civilization of love, that everybody will work together and see ourselves as intimately connected to anyone who is not having life and life in its fullness. So while we are doing a great job in caring for those who are hungry, we have to remember the other arm of it. We have to do something about what is causing people to be homeless and to be hungry and to be vulnerable in the way that they are. And that is what John the Baptist and Jesus had in common. They were passionate about caring for the last, the least, and the lowly. And they were passionate about creating a people who would be kind and loving and respectful, respectful and just to all people as well. So as we celebrate Gaudete Sunday, let us have hope for the future by, by committing ourselves to creating a future of hope for the most vulnerable people in society today.